Present Tense Podcast. Hi, it's Anne. In May of this year, Chief Billy Gray Fox Shaw sent me an email containing a letter that he'd written in 2013 to protest fracking in the national forests of Alabama. This letter will serve as an introduction to a man whose gentleness is a tremendous strength. Here's the letter, and it's a bit long, but I think it contains the essence of this entire series, The Fight for Alabama's Last Wild Places. He writes, I'd like to voice my concern about the Bureau of Land Management proposal to offer gas and oil leases in the national forests of Alabama to private corporations. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Billy Gray Fox Shaw, father and grandfather. For decades, I have taken my family to the national forests of Alabama to camp, hike, and learn about nature. We have canoed the creeks and rivers and spent many hours in the beauty and splendor of the forest. The national forests of Alabama provide a setting that cannot be experienced anywhere else in the world. For me, there is nothing better than taking my young grandchildren on a hike in these beautiful places and teaching them about the natural world around them. Not only does the forest provide a wonderful classroom setting to teach my grandchildren about science and nature, but it also provides the perfect setting to teach them about their Cherokee ancestors who lived in Alabama before us. What remains of the forest is all that is left to us of our native history. Some of what once was is still hidden in the forest, and it is our common heritage. Only a tiny fraction of our natural heritage remains, and it belongs to all the people of Alabama and to all the people of the U.S. However, the proposal plans to take 43,000 acres from the people and lease it to private corporations so that they might exploit it for profit. No one wants to go hiking in a gas field. In fact, there are safety regulations that will close the areas of the lease to private citizens due to safety concerns. No one wants to canoe a river that is polluted with fracking fluid full of carcinogens and biocides. Anyone with brains understands that this is only the beginning. Our beautiful forests, the land which belongs to all people present and future, will be scarred with a network of new roads built to allow access for the drilling rigs, trucks, etc. Pipelines will be laid, archaeological sites that are held sacred by Native people and considered significant to the history of all Americans will be mitigated rather than preserved and protected. The intrusion of the drilling operations and the pollution caused by fracking will poison the water, kill organisms, and upset the delicate balance of the ecosystem. This is not responsible land stewardship, which allows the forest to renew itself. It is exploitation on a drastic level, which will forever change the forest. 
Our public land should be carefully managed for the common good of everyone, not only with consideration for the present, but with careful concern for future generations of Americans. The stewards of our public lands should never allow them to be exploited and ruined for the profit of the privileged few. Please help me to protect our public lands, a heritage that belongs to all Americans. And now for our interview with Chief Billy Gray Fox Shaw. Well, I'm Billy Shaw. I can mostly go by Gray Fox. Most people know me but Gray Fox. I basically grew up in the forest. I'm not in the forest itself, but the Warrior Mountains goes all the way to Coleman County. I grew up in Coleman County, but my family came out of Bankhead. My mother's people was buried at Pine Torch. My daddy's people was buried at Cave Springs. So it reaches all the way across. And when did they come into the area? Actually, my grandmother's people on the land where Brushy Lake is, or the part of the family did because she told me years ago before before they even built the dam and backed that up that her and her brothers and sisters would go swimming in the creek down there. And their old home place was up on the hill somewhere. I don't know exactly where it was at. I heard from what I've told, it was a little south of where Charles's grandmother, the boarding place is, and up on down in the woods there, but I've, I've never been, that's just what I've heard. I've never, never been back in there to see. But, it's, like I said, we, from the time I was little, we would go to the forest, but we didn't go to, uh, we didn't consider it the forest. It was just going back, you know, to visit kin folks and stuff and go to Brushy Lake and stuff like that. Go to decorations. Decoration at uh, Cave Springs is the same day that decoration is at uh, Pine Torch. That's where you go decorate the graves. And what did that flowers. involve? Well, they'd clean them up and put sand on them, and some some of the graves they would put uh, oyster shells on. I think that goes back to the shell mounds of our Cherokee heritage, you know. But anyway, and then on Sunday we'd. It was kind of like. People would talk about, you know, getting dressed up for Easter. Well, we didn't get up dressed up for Easter. We would our, we'd get new clothes for decorations, which went the whole month, basically, of May. Because ours would start at Blair and then go to Car Rents and out to Cave Springs and uh, Pine Torch. Sundays, you know, different people buried. And uh, But all those people from Blair to Pine Torch interactive. I would say I grew up in Blair, which is in Coleman County, just south of the Old Corn Road. And uh, my grandmother and grandfather and his mother is all buried there, which my mother is too, and I've got a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins buried there. But his mother, my grandfather's mother, uh, that my mother was named after, she was buried there in 1900. So she's been buried there over a hundred years, but they all came from out in this area too. I mean, it was whole, the whole family mingled together. 
somehow the Bordens and the Alexanders and the Yateses and all of them got involved in marrying it with Grandma's sisters. So, say so Charles is that you interviewed his his grandmother and my grandmother were sisters. So, and as far as talking about the Indian Tomb Holler, I had never heard of it till uh, I met Lamar and uh, Butch and them. Never, I never knew about Kenlock. Uh, our different groups of family, I think, went to different parts of the forest for different things. Well, back when I was growing up, you didn't mention stuff like that much. It was hard to deny. Everybody was afraid they'd be sent to Oklahoma. See, our family showed the heritage a lot more than some of them did because of the bloodline was so strong. See, I've got full bloods buried at Cave Springs. My great-grandmother, everybody always said, <coughs> excuse me, my great-grandmother was a Cherokee, you know. I said, well, mine too. But mine actually was. She was full of blood. Basically, you didn't, other than in the family, you never talked about being, having Indian blood. or being, Everybody knew we were. But, you know, you just, it's just something you didn't talk about. I never really got involved in my heritage till I was 40 years old. Well, it's just the way we was taught, you know, that's just the way we was brought up. You just didn't mention it. The whole Appalachian family okay. uh, celebrate Decoration Day. Now, we celebrated Easter, but it was boiling eggs. Yeah. There wasn't a religious part of it. That's like Christmas. I didn't really find out till I started to school the reason people celebrate Christmas. I thought it was Santa Claus. We didn't have the religious part of it involved in it. We did the Christmas tree. Santa Claus came, put stuff on the tree, one thing for each kid, usually. But our biggest thing for Christmas was Mama would cook a bunch of stuff, cakes and pies, and we'd always get oranges and nuts. I always remember the oranges. That's the only time we ever had oranges was for Christmas. But it was, and we'd have what they call serenaders. People dress up and come to your house and play tricks on you, sort of like people does Halloween, you know. But we did that for, between Christmas and New Year's back when I was growing up. It was just different, I guess. But that's the reason Mama had all cakes and stuff cooked because you had to feed them, you know. Well, we knew it was Bankhead. We knew mm -hmm. when it, that was then when we was growing up because it had been converted, you know, from just where everybody lived before. But no, we just, it was just a good place to go. I was going to see Ken folks. But then, you know, as you grow on up, and I took my kids when they was little, when I was dating, I'd take my girlfriend riding around in the forest, you know. And then as you get older, and the kids got older and wasn't interested in it, there was a few years missing that I didn't have anything to do with it. And then when I started back, it had changed. Clear cutting and just different stuff. Cause when uh, we were, I was, the kids were small and we'd go, there's a bunch of stores on 33 over there and places, you know, or not 33, yeah, whatever it is now. From Houston into, we'd go down to 33, there's some stores. And we'd always go to Brushy Lake and we'd ride around and we'd go to 60 and stuff like that. And we'd stop at those stores on the way out, 
and get some wannies and bonds and stuff like that, end up at the first uh, rock bridge or whatever you call it, that place. We'd go up there and we'd always have something to eat on the way home. They really enjoyed that because you know, you'd buy it and cook it out there. But then all those stores are gone now too, so it's just a lot of stuff. And uh, the way I get, got to know Lamar and them was, I guess it was the first Bankhead Monitor magazine that came out. We, uh, me and my wife was eating breakfast at Jack's Truck Stop in Cullman. And one of them, was, they had a stack of them laying on the counter there. And I asked the lady, I said, how much are these? And she said, I don't reckon nothing. Said some man brought them in here and said, give them away. So I got me one because it had Bankhead on it, you know. So I read it. It told about where the place was, you know. So that Sunday, me and my wife, we loaded up and we go down there and that's the first time I met Lamar. Never seen him before. Hadn't met Butch or none of them. Then Butch had some books in the, in there and the first one I got was uh, Folklore of the Warrior Mountains or whatever it is. I got it. And uh, I was talking to Pat. She was working there and she said, Butch just, you know, got that book. <coughs> Come out. I don't know why I'm talking like this. I'm choked up, I reckon. But anyway, and I said, well, and I flipped it open, and there was my great-grandparents' picture in it, the page that I flipped open, my hoopers, my William and Melvani. And uh, just so happened, you know. Well, see, I didn't even know about the Cherokee blood on Mama's side. I knew about Daddy's side, and I'd been holding off because they was trying to get me to join the Achotas. And I had the application, but I never filled it out. And then when I seen that, I figured that was a sign to fill it out. But it's kind of weird that never seen a book opened up to the page, and there's your grandparents. And it said three-quarters Cherokee on both of them. The Achota Cherokee tribe of Alabama, I'm a former chief. I'm not a member of it anymore, but uh, that's a state-recognized tribe. And two of the clan, I was with Deer Clan, and Bobby Gillespie was uh, head of the Blue Clan. And they're the two clans that basically fought with the Forest Service with the help. Well, Lamar and Butch and all of them member, are still members, I guess. Uh, but uh, that was, I think was probably the, the kicker in the whole saving it was the cultural aspect and the sacred sites. And I think the one thing that really made a difference was that we really believed what we was telling them and it was so personal to us, our cultural, it was being destroyed because you can't take a bunch of equipment in there and just destroy the forest clear cutting without messing up the sacred stuff too. Everything's sacred. We believe that all life is sacred and it's we're just part of the circle. We're not the we're supposed to be the protectors, but somehow it's got to where we're the dominant species. I reckon that all this stuff belongs to us for personal use. When we're not it's not. We're just part of the circle. And I think people forgot that. And that's where the sacred part comes in is going back and believing the way it's supposed to be. We're just part of the circle. We're not 
We're not running the circle. We're not disposed using it for our own personal uses, but that's what's happened. And, uh, you know, something that brought it. This morning I seen a, a thing on Facebook that showed the last uh, white rhino had died. That was the last of the species, and it was done by man. I guess we're all going to die one of these days. We'll see what we figured it out, or I did, that since this land had been preserved for so many years, what remaining cultural sites we had, pretty much, was in the National Forest. They had been protected by actually becoming a National Forest, so it protected what sites was there, the bluff shelters and all that stuff. There's a bunch of Native people coming together and meeting with the Forest Service and basically telling them, we're going to shut it down. And we did. Uh, they shut down clear-cutting and any ground-disturbing activities for until they made a decision. We basically stopped it. And uh, But they was people, I don't know how many, it looked like thousands of people over there, probably about three or 400. But they kept moving all Native people and they're telling their stories, what happened. This one guy I'll never forget was from Huntsville, and he'd been on Vision Quest in Indian Tomb, and that's where he'd always go. And he discovered it, and he was telling those forest people, said, how would you like it if I come to your church with a chainsaw and just started cutting it up? He said, that's what y'all did to mine, with tears streaming down his cheeks. I mean, it was real. And there were several people talk like that. We changed their mind. We protected a lot of the forest. But you got to fight them. But now, they was people, I was one of them, that was willing to chain ourselves to a tree to stop them from cutting. It's a different breed, I guess. It's just, it was just the perfect time for a certain group of people to get together. I mean, it was meant to be, I guess. I don't, I can't see it in the day, day's age. I can't see it ever happening again. They might do it, but. I was coming down here about three times a week, different places or going to the forest. But to start with, before I had got back involved with the forest before I met Lamar, but um, most of what I was doing was taking pictures and educating people, you know, letting them know, getting a group take them hiking, show them the forest, show them what we had, because more people coming in, the less they're gonna, you know, tear it up. And that's what I was doing. And uh, I took a bunch of pictures. I, there's a lot of my pictures in some of these magazines and stuff. They wrote some articles. My wife wrote an article. Me and her uh, bushwhacked from over on County Road 2 all the way to the Sipsy Wilderness area where in the rain. <laughs> we would tell a story and everybody said, boy, that sounded like fun. I said, you ought to walk that rain across them creeks and camped out and all that with a pull of a muscle in my leg. But we made it. It was all right. We got through. It was enjoyable. Anything about the forest is enjoyable, I guess. Used to when you get a little down about something, we'd all take off to the forest and rejuvenate, I guess what you'd call it. Forest has always been my anchor.
keeps me grounded. They put a moratorium on clear-cutting forest in Alabama. I don't know, it might have been the whole southeast, I don't know, but they couldn't, wasn't no clear-cutting. And then we worked, I think it stayed on. We still, they still, they're not supposed to clear-cut out there. They're, uh, they're doing it where the beetles are, but uh, still no clear-cutting. You got, uh, they mark trees and then they're taking the pines out and letting the, the original trees grow back. That was part of the plan that we worked on, seemed like 10 years, but it wasn't that long, I don't guess. We changed the ranger, the people in Montgomery, the people in the Talladega. They all got fired or had to retire or something. We changed the whole, whole people in charge, along with Ray, Ray Vaughn and Wild Law. He done a bunch of suing, and we won lots of, lots of lawsuits against the Forest Service. I remember one time Ray was talking about they had called him down there for a meeting or something Forest Service had, and uh, he had, I can't remember what the words was, but anyway, he said that uh, he thanked them for the check, and he said, I can file lots more lawsuits for this money. <laughs> I think he said it don't cost but $18 to file a lawsuit or something like that. I don't know whatever happened to him. I hadn't talked to him in years. But he was a smart man. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, when there wasn't no road signs, the native people bent trees. And that's what we call marker trees. Some point to direction of the trail, some point to water, some mark crossings, some mark graves, some mark sacred sites, which all graves are sacred sites to me. And several years ago, I was part of a group with Lamar and Butch and some others from all over the country that did a documentary called Mystery of the Trees. And uh, the DVE is out and came out in the last couple, three years. And in the process, I had got with a state representative from Alabama or Coleman County, and I had asked him about getting a resolution passed, recognizing these trees. And he said, yeah. So we did. And uh, people don't realize that uh, Alabama is one of two states in the whole country, I think, that recognize the marker trees. And when we got the resolution passed, that was the first time the state of Alabama recognized that we had marker trees and what their uses were. So that was a pretty big step, actually, as far as it don't preserve them. You know, right now, the way the climate is in Montgomery and Washington, in, I wanted to get them listed as a living artifact. Artifact is a bad word when it comes to government. They don't want nothing to do with artifact. It kind of scares these developers. They were afraid, you know, that if they bought some property and had a marker tree on it, they wouldn't be able to do anything with the property. They didn't realize in the state of Alabama, if you own the property, you own the artifact, you know. 
and do what you want to with it, which is bad, I guess. But yeah. so many of the, the marker trees are dying. Matter of fact, the one in Indian Tomb has died. And so it's, was lucky we got it passed when we did. It brings, it brings a spotlight to them, you know. There's probably 75 that's documented in North Alabama. And in the movie that we put out, uh, I'm standing by one over on somewhere north of Huntsville over. I, Lamar and Butch and them took me over and the people filming. But uh, that trade was on Mark the Path of the Trail of Tears, a group that came from Fort Payne, crossed there, going to Waterloo, crossed by that tree on that trail. Kind of makes your heart flutter when you think about you're standing there in the same path where 1,200 Cherokees was removed walking and trudging along trying to be forced out. I had an aunt before she died several years ago was when I was involved in all this stuff. She had called me one night and said, did you find any of our people, the, the part of the family that went to Oklahoma? I said, I didn't know any of us did. She said, yeah, I used to stay in touch with some of them, but said it's been so many years now. Said I've lost touch with them, so I didn't. So evidently, some of my mama's side was removed. I know my daddy's side, my great grandpa, got a land grant in Blount County, 160 acres. But my grandma said that they lost it because the state of Alabama took it away from them because Cherokees couldn't own land in the state of Alabama. That's the ones that's buried up at uh, Cave Springs now. They had to leave it. Men Lamar found it. I've got the copy of the land grant. It's got the, you know, the degrees this way and all that stuff. And men him found it on the map he used to be a surveyor, and he said, I know exactly where that spot is because it's close to his. And uh, his family and my family back then lived pretty close together. And he said, I bet they knew each other. I said, I bet they did too because, you know, they would tend to stick together. Did I'm thinking what gets me is everybody now says, well, these trees has to be so old because they had to be before the people were removed. Not necessarily. You know, they was, my family was still here. Lots of families were still here. Why didn't they keep doing it? There wasn't no more roads till say, 1900 than there was then. Matter of fact, it's probably the same trails that everybody traveled. That's like the High Town Path, which, you know, that was the, this is the second resolution I got passed. I got one recognizing High Town Path, too. And we got High Town Path District in the forest now that's set aside like the Indian Tomb is in Kenlock. Actually, it was kind of funny. We was at a school gathering and was in line to eat, and he was in front of me. Neil Morrison was his name. He was state representative for Coburn County. I got talking to him and I said, can you get, 
Can we get a law passed to recognize the high town path in Coleman County? He said, what is it? And I told him, he said, let's just do the whole state, all the way across the state. He said, I know enough people. So he got all the state representatives in all the counties that it crossed to help him sponsor the resolution, and it passed right through there. He's a, he called me in. Well, actually, the funny part of it, I was working in Decatur at uh, Tony Moore Buick. Lamar was out in the forest, and Butch was over at Oakville, I guess. And with a fax machine, between the three of us, we wrote that state resolution. And then I faxed it to Neil Morrison. He said, that's good. So we actually, between the three of us, we wrote that. And I wrote this one because I put it out, and nobody didn't believe I was doing it. I reckoned nobody wanted to help me. So I, I said, I can put it down. You take your staff and do the legal moving around. So that's what they did. And Hightown Path, where does it, I know it's in the forest, but where does it run throughout Alabama? It runs across the Tennessee Divide. It goes across through Long Georgia all the way. runs from Memphis to Charlestown. It used to be called Charlestown, South Carolina. Charleston, yeah, all the way across there. Came right across the Old Corn Road and battled through Battleground, through Ebenezer too. There's even... Where Ebenezer Church is, the road that goes I don't know, towards back towards 157, if you cut through there, there's still an old section of that high town path running up, up that hill. It didn't follow the divide there because where the divide was, it was steeper. So they went around and come back up because it wasn't as hardly as steep that way. And, and what is Hightown Path? It was a trading path. It was, a, it was the interstate highway 10,000 years ago coming across. Probably when our people came back from South America, they followed it in here. A lot of migration coming back north after the ice melted. The Ridge Road mm -hmm. is part of it. And the Leola Road is part of it. It came through there, come out at Cave Springs, and then curved. Back, I don't know exactly how the turn to where the old corn road comes in there, you know, at uh, Piney Grove. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it turned and went that way, Florida Ridge. I think that uh, us identifying certain things like that of importance is probably what helped get things preserved. Because along about the time, there's a lot of difference in the politics in Washington at that period of time, too. And uh, there was a difference in the things governing. Well, actually, there was laws on books, I guess, that was good for us. But the Forest Service and Bankhead had always, it was a timber growing deal, you know, to the Forest Service. And we kind of brought out that they were, they had they said multiple use, which meant mining and timber cutting, and our we brought in the recreational part and the family use, the bird watching and all that stuff. There's a lot of history in Bankhead. First state road built runs through it, Bala Road. We found whole sections of it. 
brought that to light, another part of it. One funny story was, we was out there, we had the National Park Service down, and we was showing them the old Buffalo Trail and where the High Town Path come. Well, Lamar, in his intimate wisdom, you know, here we are in this old truck, and we pay for Washington's in these nice cars, and he takes them down this dirt road to where Aunt Jenny Brooks is buried. Well, it just so happened they had just clear-cut all that land around that cemetery. That guy was sure one of us, and he looked around, and he, I can't even remember who the state archaeologist was from Montgomery then. He said, why in the hell did somebody cut this, clear-cut this around this historic cemetery? And the guy said, I don't know. I didn't have nothing to do with it. <laughs> but it just, you know, we're riding down the road, and I pull in here, you know. Lamar was kind of like that. Some of it was funny and some of it was heartbreaking and you know, it's just everything goes together. I used to take groups from the senior, sales, senior center in Coleman on uh, hikes. I'd always tell everybody, I said, well, I'm taking the old people for a hike, you know. And they said, well, how old are these people, you know? <laughs> I said, well, they, some of them they run up to 70, 80 year old, you know. But anyway, uh, a lot of them was, you know, uh, well-to-do people, bankers and stuff like that, but they wanted to go on hikes. I'll never forget this woman, that she was an ex-banker, head, head of one of the banks in Coleman, and was hiking out there, and she said, I wish somebody would tell me why we have always been going to North Carolina and places to the mountains when we had something like this 30 minutes from home. I said, did you not know about it? And she said, I had no idea. So see, that was another thing, advertising, you know, getting the word out. And by taking these people that was, I guess, I don't know, as well-connected, I'll put it that way, showing them, and then they could tell their people. That's like when um, they was going to lease for the oil drilling and stuff. I had signs made up, you know, against it. us. Called Forest Service and complained. You know where I put most of them up? Smith Lake. Who lives on Smith Lake? People that's got money. They don't want their lake messed up. Which I put them up and down in the forest too. But uh, I don't know how many signs I had printed. I had uh, had little things that you could put on top of them. Some of them for horse people. Some for timber cutters. I mean, that's part of it, too. Once they lease that land, uh, there it goes, you know. Hikers, bird people, we stuck them things up all over the place. I think was when the actual the forest plan came out, management plan, and what all we got, we got set aside. We had the Indian Tomb protected, High Town Path, quarter of a mile wide, all the way across the forest protected. I forget how many hundred acres or thousands of acres, it's all totaled Kenlock, and all of them, somebody's 20 something thousand acres we had protected. That, and you know, this, the clear cutting was basically gone. Restoration, we got the restoring the forest back to pre, pre 1900 conditions or pre 1800 conditions. No clear cutting.
they have to call us. I never forget one time they was doing something out on the on the road at Kenlock out there, and uh, I got a call. It was cold as all get out, but they they wanted me to come out there and when they was doing some work to make sure they didn't mess up something. I went out there, and me and Jenny, she stood down there with me. We watched them move some trees and stuff like that. And they laid them away from the road and different stuff. I've had people call me and said, uh, we've got a fire out here. We think that we can control it without any uh, equipment. But if we have to, will it be all right if we use just a little bit? Which for the new Ranger, I hadn't heard that. Uh, I know one time I miss email. I hate Facebook, but I have to use it. I had uh, wrote a letter when they was talking about the leasing this last time. And uh, I wrote a letter and I sent it out on email to like 100 people. It included the supervisor in Montgomery ranger out here at Double Springs and all of them people that I knew. And I told everybody I sent it to, I said send it to everybody in your email address. Two days later the ranger calls me from out here. He said, this is from Washington, it ain't from us. He said, he said, there's a process you go through on this. And I said, yeah, not. We see y'all, we win, y'all can't. He said, pretty much. So it just faded away. But the thing that worries me now is the people in Washington, they do so much for the pen with executive orders, and and they've got the Supreme Court stacked to where, you know, you can't, you can't fight it. You can't. I, I, I'm really worried about the gains we've made staying. I mean, look what they've done out west to the national monuments. Yes, I mean, even the, the fight that we had, at least we had a, a crowd in Washington at that time that was would kind of go along with stuff. I mean, just think a little small bunch of rednecks in Alabama getting the National Park Service, the National Forest Service executives from Washington down here riding around and getting dusty on dirt roads. So, you know, so what? I mean, it was always coming from Atlanta over here. <laughs> we went, I, I wish I knew how many meetings we had, but I mean, me and Lamar, we rode all over the place. I mean, we'd go to other things to bring notice to what we was doing. What was so weird about all this is I was down at uh, the store one night, uh, we'd had some kind of meeting, and when all this had finally got settled, one of the timber cutters, small timber cutters, come driving up down there. I mean, they had, boy, they was threatening, you know, do all this stuff. And him and his wife come down, and he told Lamar, said, I just want to thank you. He said, I was against all this stuff, but he said, the way this turns out, now I can afford to bid on these contracts said before I had to take the leftovers. He said, I'm not big enough to do a 
huge thing, but he said when we go in this slack cutting, he said I can do that. So I thought that was pretty good right there. I think that a lot of the stuff that Janice and them does was taking kids on hikes and the stuff and getting the rangers is probably the only way that you're going to get through to people. Everything's different now than it used to be. Everybody in my generation, they had roots here. Butch had roots, I had roots. Lamar came in with roots. He's always got roots. Uh, Bobby had roots, you know. Me and Bobby was like brothers because our people, we had actually kin folks that lived close to each other in Indian town. But uh, I don't know. I, like I said, it's, it's uh, just baffling to me that things can get so messed up. I'm just not real happy with the things, way things are going. I mean, I'm pretty well satisfied with the things in the forest, but who knows? Next forest plan, everything can change. And if we ain't got some stubborn people that's willing to fight, they'll change it to suit them and the coal miners and timber cutters and gas drillers and all that. Cause big corporations rule. We don't. I see the circle of life more like a chain. I told this to some of my teachers. I, I mentioned it and he said, you know, you're right. He said each link of that chain is one little ecology or, you know, ecological thing, one family. All those families hooked together make the circle. So, but the circle is being broke so many times it's hard to close the gaps. It just keeps getting littler as you drop some prop, drops off and seem like People not interested in stuff like that anymore. It's, everything's too easy. That's like, you know, growing garden, whatever, you know. I grow my own food. And I try to teach my kids, grandkids to do it too. Save my seed, only plant heirloom plants. Um, but to me, that, that was one of the things when I was being taught was my job was to save the seed. I was told in a vision one time to bring the medicine back. I said, well, how in the world can I do that? And they said, the women will help you. So I've always been able to get women to do more and help me do stuff. I mean, not, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's just be able to do it. I guess it's because I had a women's softball team and all that. I could connect. I just seem to know more how I thought than the guys did. But I, I don't I don't see things getting a whole lot better till the prophecy actually is finished, I guess, whatever. You know, back when everybody was worried about the world and what was it in two thousand or whenever it was or no, it's later than that. And uh, everybody think, well, the earth was going to blow up. Well, no, that's not what the prophecy said. The prophecy said there'd be 20 or more years of unseen natural disasters that has never been seen before. Unseen man disasters that has never been seen before. And then after this period of time, when people finally supposed to come to their sense and 
what's left, pick up what's left and go on, I reckon. But what have you seen since then? All these huge storms and all these huge floods and all these huge fires and you know, quite a bit of man-made things going on. As long as I can help, I will, but I'm getting kind of old now. I can't move around like I used to. I can't. I can't get out there and hike 10 or 12 miles at a time. I maybe go a mile or two and then have stop and rest, but when you're hiking, you don't walk content continuously anyway. I still, last uh, winter, I took uh, my grandson and his wife and my son and my granddaughter. We went out and walked up and down Sipsy a little bit. They enjoyed it. They want to go back to the tree. That's on my bucket list. I want to go to the big tree one more time. Last one of the last times I went out there was very special now. Me and my buddy was out there, and we walked in across what they call the Outlaw Trail, which is the best way in, Janice. Need to work on that a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> we was there, and guess who came walking up from up Bay Branch? Was Jim and Ruth and Tara. Aww. And we sat there and they made some pictures. Matter of fact, some of the pictures that has been showing here lately was made from that day. And we had come in from different directions, but it was good meeting there, you know. And we decided to walk back out with them. And uh, it was dark coming out. And Jim and he was, they was having a little trouble. I was pretty good shape back then. And they told us, said, oh, y'all just go on. And me and O.T. said, well, we'll stay with y'all. And they said, oh, we know how to get out of here. So we walked on out. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's, it's amazing who you made it to Big Tree. The first time we got there, we had hunted that tree. I'd heard about it, but I never had been to it, you know. We come in on that Morden Creek Trail, or where the covered bridge. So I was talking to Janice. That's the only trail where you walk uphill both directions. We couldn't. We missed the turnoff. We couldn't find the tree. God was starting. We got back to the car. Next time we decided we'd come in the other direction. So we come in off the trail 200 or 201, I guess it was, or two or something. I think we figured we walked 14 miles that day. Well, we come across the Sipsy and up on the ridge, but we missed the trail going down to the tree. So the next time we went, we was camped at Falls Creek Falls. Me and my wife and a friend of ours and my son and one of his friends. I told her, I said, it ain't but that far on the map. We're going to that tree. So we walked all the way up to Sipsy at the Bay Branch. In the rain, it rained all that day. Walked up there, and I was expecting Gable's horns to be blowing when he found it, you know, and there I like, stood, you know. Just standing there waiting on us. Walked two waterfalls and all. We sat there a while, and we decided we'd walk back. That's the first time I ever seen that tree. And then I have been everywhere except helicopter since then. I've been everywhere, I reckon. I've took several groups in there. I never will forget one time I, I took this elderly group, you know, from up there. And there was two women that was over 80 year old. And uh, we was having to wait on some of the younger people. 
But these women finally figured out what I was doing. You know, I'd get a little ahead, and then I could stop and rest and wait on them. So they got to walking with me. Well, we was coming back across White Oak out to there, and they said, we're going to go on ahead. I said, what's the hurry? And they said, we got to get home clean up. We're going to Birmingham dancing tonight. And so we waited, and they went on. So we, I said, well, we're going to eat at uh, Smith's Barbecues there at Addison. Oh, we ain't got time to do that. I said, we got to go. They, they left early and went on. They walked out. They led the way out. Took some Boy Scouts in there one time, and their parents was always worried about them being able to go in. You don't have to worry about them kids. They can go. So when we started out, there at White Oak up through there, I told them boys, I said, start singing, singing your songs, you know. So they was just singing and carrying on up through there, and their parents were back there struggling. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. I might have one more battle in if it comes down to it. I don't know. We'll try it and see. <laughs> For more information about Chief Shaw, to read the letter from the top of the show, and to see photographs, go to our website at greenbucketpress.com backslash present-tense-podcast. Thanks to cellist Craig Holtgren for our theme music. Thanks to Farron Weeks and the White Horse Singers for our episode music. If you like the show, Please rate us and leave a review. This helps others find the show. And remember, don't give up and don't give in. Together, we can protect Mother Earth. Until next time. <laughs>